Hello, everybody, and welcome to another E5 podcast. It's not the same day as the previous one we recorded. It's a new day. We're wearing the same clothes and just chilling out in front of our computers. But welcome back to the E5 podcast. Um, today, we're going to talk about something very specific. So we have no idea if this is going to be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but we thought we'd try and exclusively talk about this. Um, we were kind of just chewing the fat and this came up. And so we thought we'd make it a podcast topic. Um, electrical installations in thatched houses. Now, there is no special locations for this at all, which is a bit mind blowing because in the last year on, on, on the E5 Instagram and you guys directly, we've been approached by people with photos. And if I can dig one out, I'll put it in the video of here somewhere on the screen if I can find it. But we've had pictures sent to us of electrical installations found on EICRs, rented houses with a thatch roof, and they've been lashed up with twin and earth and all sorts of the usual uh, shenanigans. Um, and it got us, people were asking us, what do we do? What's the correct thing to do? So yeah. we thought we'd use this to talk about it. Um, John, would you like to introduce us to where we can get that yep. essential guidance? Okay, well, thatch properties are common in some areas, Dorset particularly, and not so common in others. Um, the only actual guidance you can get is something called the Dorset model, which uh, is basically a guide from building control about thatched buildings, um, specifically new ones and extending existing ones. And it's quite a short document. You can get it for free. It's actually only three pages long, which doesn't exactly uh, cover a, a huge amount of it. And most of it is not actually about electrical stuff at all. It's mainly about uh, fire and fire prevention and reducing the effects of fire if a fire should occur, because obviously a thatched roof extremely flammable. If you get a fire there, it's going to set on fire. The whole lot's going to go up in flames, very difficult to put out and so on. So uh, the only bit it actually says in this is that advice should be sought from an approved electrical contractor regarding the most appropriate type of wiring system. So that doesn't help oh, at all. Does that suggest that approved electrical contractors will know the answer to this already? Well, that's certainly what it implies. But unfortunately, as we know, that's not necessarily the case. Oh, okay. And then it goes on, says... Effects from rodent damage and straw debris need to be considered. So the main deal here is the fact that all thatched properties are going to have mice and rats in them, in the roof. It's inevitable. And I don't care whether people say, oh, my house doesn't have rats in all that. Well, it does, because thatch <laughs> attracts mice and vermin. It's just how it is. And, well, you're sure yourself. Yeah. And the main problem with this is that mice and rats like to chew plastic things which means plastic pipes and plastic conduits and plastic wiring and twin and earth and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And of course, if they chew through wiring and it creates a short circuit, you've got sparks and potentially things setting on fire and uh, all of that. And uh, the only other thing it suggests is that recessed lighting is not recommended to any ceilings below the thatch. Because obviously you've got recessed light fittings. There's also the possibility of fire and things going through there. And of course, if they were like halogen ones, then uh, overheating and uh, potentially causing a fire but it's the uh, the wiring system which is the main sort of focus in uh, that particular part of it interesting because i'm reading a little document which we'll put a link in the description again if you remember and, and maybe a screenshot on the screen if you're watching this on youtube a nice little document fire safety for thatch from the thatch advice center understanding and reduce the risks increase peace of mind and then it starts with a really interesting bit on, well, it's I suppose it's one of those little A5 foldable booklets, but on a PDF you don't get that. And it, and it effectively says, 
A regular electrical inspection will check your system integrity, but not your roof. But then the interesting advice is it says all wiring connections, including aerial leads and supply cables, must be spaced a minimum of 30 centimetres away from the thatch and any wire netting. Now, I've got photos, I'm sure, and if, I've, if I can find them, God help, because so many messages is mind blowing, um, of stuff literally clipped to wooden beams with thatch sitting on them. But cordless, 30 centimetres away, any cabling from the thatch and the netting. And then, as you said rightly, John, you know, mice and rats, they live in that wonderful duvet, mm. that five star blanketing system known as a thatch roof. But it says electrical wiring in the roof space should be vermin proof conduits and fitted by a qualified electrician. Vermin control is recommended. Now, that to me and you is, is well, the only electrical installation method will be steel conduit or mineral insulated, which we know if you go into a, like the old curry houses that are converted old pubs and stuff you'll see tons and tons of old pyro clipped around buildings and stuff but i've seen lots and lots of images in the last year of just twin and earth being thrown in everywhere yeah i mean twin and earth in a thatch house is completely inappropriate um it will get chewed it will get damaged and there will be problems so even if it doesn't set on fire you've got chewed cables they're damaged they need to be replaced so it, there, there's simply no way that that can ever so be an appropriate choice. Is is the risk of fire the the arcing or the heating from the the degraded um, insulation around the connection? The that is that the risk? Yeah, that will be the source, won't it? The fuel That's, will be the. Yeah, um, right. So I'm trying to marry that in my mind with how we have in chapter 42. If we have a wiring system in a location of risk of fire due to the nature of process of stored materials, we use. 300 milliamp capacities for the protection against fire but if the cable is a resist uh, like a heating cable like an underfloor or ceiling heating system we reduce that down to 30 milliamp in those scenarios why is that different say so again in a in a chapter 42 yeah there's sections there's obviously uh, equipment and then there's location is applied to the nature of process of stored material or if there's a nature due to combustible material uh, of the structure, which this actually is. But in the section on um, stored materials, you're storing combustible material. We can have risk of fire protection by having RCDs to 300 milliamp. But if there's resistant heating, which is like where you've got like cable that's already quite warm due to underfloor ceiling or heating or something, you can use 30 milliamp RCDs as a method of protection against risk of fire. So I'm wondering why it's interesting actually you say that. You it's interesting you say that because I'm looking at 42 chapter 42 now 41 protection against fire caused by electrical equipment yeah. and it talks about being mounted on materials that allow safe dissipation of heat doesn't talk about distances. No there's only distances mentioned in 422.3.1 which is uh, which is talking about wattage but, lamps that are non-existent these but days. It talks about enclosures of arc yeah. resistant material which would have to be metal Again, it's the way this is worded is terribly. I mean, from a, if we start at the top uh, in the governor's book, as I like to call it, to me, um, regulation six of electricity at work regs applies, adverse or hazardous environments, mm -hmm. because it is one of those uh, fibrous, high dust, high pollutant atmospheres. Yeah. Um, it even talks about in this document about light fittings in the roof space should be enclosed in a bulkhead. Do not use downlighters. I have yeah. been in places... So you shouldn't have any luminaires where things could eject from the luminaires if they yes. fail, you know, yeah. that kind of scenario. Um, but even stuff like TV aerials should be fitted to a, a freestanding pole 
um, overhead supply feed should have ceramic type insulators replaced. This is quite interesting, really. There's a lot more precautions on we don't want lightning strikes. We don't want anything conductive on the outside of the building. We don't want anything that could thermally, thermally fail and eject into what is effectively fuel because you've obviously got the oxygen. Um, you've then obviously got the heat and you need the fuel. Your electrical equipment is that source of heat. Um, even outside halogen lights create it. Um, you know, they, they need to be kept a distance. It's it's frightening, but yet Section 41 doesn't really, I mean, fixed equipment causing a concentration of focusing the heat should be a significant distance from fixed object. It's generic. You need this document to give you that 30 centimetre rule. Um, yeah, I'll, to, I'll, to work I'll from the like, intent of the rigs. I was thinking of cables, wiring systems. So if you look at 422.3.9, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, bear in mind, this is about wiring systems in a location where you've got stored combustible materials, which is obviously not the same as 423, which is about uh, the building being made of combustible materials. Yeah. yeah, 42239, wiring systems other than MI, buzz bar, trunking or power track, will protect against insulation faults, TNLT, yeah. RCDs to 300. This and if there's a... resistive faults can occur from overhead heating, for example, we reduce it to 30. So I'm assuming that the, that regulation there is to take the potential heating effect of damaged insulation in wiring systems because they're not MI power track or, or anything. And using an RCD as a way to remove the source of ignition. I, I would definitely recommend AFDDs on a house with a thatch roof. I think that is exact perfect application of the right technology to remove the risk to as low as practical, because effectively, unlike my house where I've got concrete tiles or slate tiles you've just got a massive huge bit of kindling sat on your roof this, ready to go but the thing is this is how i'm reading 7671 which is how many other electricians may interpret 7671 mm. what john's found here is something that pretty much doesn't even like thermoplastic wiring systems in thatch yes but this book the trouble is this book isn't written for thatch and there's no, no. special location because there's no european standard on it so all we have so do we need a special location for thatch or do we need to assume that electricians are going to look outside of 7671? Because thatch isn't mentioned outside of scope. I think there needs to be some. It's very difficult. There needs to be some sort of consideration um, because I'd be honest with you, 421 is very wishy-washy. And this, this the regulation you just read out about wiring systems other than MI Buzzball, I used that on my 2400 design project for <laughs> a, a, a warehouse that was manufacturing sheds. And was very high dust and high wood content, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, okay, RCBO, yes, fine. 30 milliamp, fine. AFDD would be about a lot better here, um, even on the lighting circuit. Not that it might not do any good, but yeah. I'd still have it just as that additional assurance. But you're looking at a, a two and a half grand fuse board for a, a thatch cottage before you get into trunking and pyro. So you then look at the hidden cost for homeowners. If you own a thatch roof, are you expected to be a seriously rich person? Because I don't know how much a thatch roof is. John might be able to tell us, but it's probably not short of 10 grand. And the electrics is probably going to cost you at least 10 grand as well. Yeah. And if you even have a thatch cottage, when you come to insure it, it's way more expensive than a normal house. And of course, they might specify in your insurance that you need to have certain things in place, like your wiring has been inspected and checked and it complies with whatever and all of the other things. So, But complies with what? But, well, but, yeah, because if but, it complies with BS7671, as you said before, there's no actual mention of thatched cottages in there whatsoever. 
No, and yet this thatched advice centre gives plenty of examples of some beautiful homes that have been destroyed by electrical fires. In fact, there's even a, a Burgoyne's forensic mm. investigation of 148 thatch fires. Yeah, um, the, only, the only interpretation I can have on this is the regulations are written in a way that would protect thatch with the RCD, with resistant heating. It would work like normal fire protection. But I think because of the excessive likelihood of fauna, in the roof space, as John has said, is a guarantee. They probably said that's not even a real, you know, a, a possibility because it's gonna get damaged. It's not will it get damaged. It's gonna get damaged, and that's probably why those other wiring systems have been pushed in this other document, the Dorset model. Yeah, uh, but we need that to come into seven six seven one somewhere. This this identifies the majority of fires in thatched properties have been from ejected embers. Um, from fireplaces and chimneys. Henceforth, we line chimneys now because if it ejects mid-chimney and it goes into loft space, boom, you've got an ember lighting your entire fire. But it also says the other causes is electrical. So it's fairly evident there's a lot of fires on thatch properties. But I would I would argue that, I mean, the regulation on following original uh, manu... No, you can't really, can you? I was going to say manufacturer's equipment. But who 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 makes it? It's a it's a craftsman, isn't it? The people who thatch roofs are craftsmen. They've been handed down by generation to generation. It's as just a old. I won't specify the electrical. Why have we gone from pyro and conduit then to twin and earth? Is it just because we don't know? Because according to the very first line on this document, a regular electrical inspection will check your system integrity. But if that person is a, a a general domestic dwelling spark and they literally go and go right i'm just going to open up the board do a few ir tests la 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 la. it's all twin and earth will they even know that this should be well know, in closed conduit system or mineral insulated bearing in mind that this document's from the labc this should at least be added as an appendix to part p because that's a document every yes. domestic electrical installer is gonna have been told to read very valid point yeah you know, we should at least put this information in their natural place, because a lot of electricians will not necessarily look for these other documents. Yep. They'll assume one domestic's the same as the next. They'll see one's got a thatched roof. They'll look in the regs and they'll go, well, let me fill it to its fullest in a location with risk of fire. And they'll identify, we can use RCDs for that. And they may go down that avenue. I but I never this th document clearly doesn't like that. I never thought I'd actually sit on this podcast and start, after all the work we did on AFDDs, but this is a perfect example of an AFDD installation, without a doubt, if you were doing a new one. My biggest yeah. challenge to this is if we do do, as I said before, if we go with an AFDD compliant installation and you're quoting for steel conduits, you're looking the, at at least £10,000. I would prefer, I would prefer, looking at this stuff, I would prefer steel conduit wiring system to an AFDD. Because an AFDD, as we know, won't work on low current. Yep. It's a lighting circuit in a thatched roof. Oh, and again, space of wiring systems being a lot more robust for the life of the installation than AFDDs and devices. And it gets worse than that because there are some new British standards that are on their way, and it talks about the current energy efficiency profile of white goods and fixed equipment being even more efficient. So whereas we had a 100-watt bulb, which is now a 10-watt LED bulb, in 20 years' time, it will be 1 watt with the same lumen output. So these we're gonna we're gonna be running. This is the dumb thing. At some point, and I'm just gonna throw it under this 
particular podcast bus. At some point, we really need to think in our selection direction about how we size our breakers. Because on my board, I've got like 40 amp, 32, 20s. And I'm thinking, do I actually need a 20? Really? Because all my equipment in my living room is probably pulling one and a half amps. So why do yeah, I need 20 amp radials? I've I've looked at the um, I've looked at the on-site guides demand the diversity um, templates and stuff. Yeah. And as much as you can play with them and make the assumptions to put some maximum demands up to the 60s or so, when you look at the utilization of electrical installations, you're going to be nowhere near them with the majority. You know, they're, they're, pushing them, they're pushing them a lot now because they're looking at whether or not you do or do not need to contact the DNO for electric vehicles. Because if you get over that 60 amp sweet spot, um, and with the general typical small installation, you're about to hover over it if you follow that guidance in the on-site guide to the letter. But if you're realistic in the utilization, and looking at the lighting levels, you know, you say six amp when the lighting, because it still uses the 100 watt lamps, you know, per lamp for utilization, doesn't it? Um, it's, 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 it's out of date. Yeah, it is out of date. Um, that's what's in that on-site guide. The thing about the 100 watts per lamp holder, that first came in in the 15th edition in 1981. So, and it's not been revised since. And then even worse, all the rest of it, you know, about the 66% utilization of the circuit and all the rest of it, that first came out in the 10th edition in 1934, and it's almost unchanged since then. Wow. So grossly out of date, really. I mean, it Grossly couldn't out. be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, um, I'm just, again, I'm going to call me a, a farmer of common sense. You're digging for something, but what are you looking at me? Well, I'm looking at my favourite chapter of all, chapter 13. 13 fundamental principles. principles, yeah. Um, okay. The requirements is to provide safety of persons and property against dangers and damage, arising reasonable use of the installation. Shock current, excessive temperatures, um, power supply interruptions, arcing or burning, burning likely to cause, you know, gases, mm. etc. We then fast forward to 13131. Electrical installations shall be arranged to the risk of ignition of flammable materials due to high temperature or electric arc is minimised. In addition, during normal operation of the electrical equipment, there should be minimal risks of burns to persons or livestock, not property, interestingly. No. Then it says in 13132, pers persons, livestock, fixed equipment and fixed materials adjacent to electrical equipment, which could be a thatch roof, shall be protected against harmful effects of heat or thermal radiation emitted by electrical equipment, which then leads obviously into 42. Um, and in particular, following combustion, ignition, degradation of materials, risk of burns, impairment of the safe function of installed equipment. Uh, electrical equipment shall not provide a fire hazard to adjacent materials. That's really clear. 42 is not, but that one is really clear. So again, yeah. as I've always said, you don't need to go past chapter 13. It's like a choose your own adventure. If you're arguing over the bits in chapter four and five, you're not understanding chapter 13, which is your fundamental principles. Um, if we then carry on, because you know me, I do like to read through these. Environmental conditions. The design of the installation shall take into account the environmental conditions to which you'll be subjected. It's a roof. It's really, really hot. Um, yes. Equipment in surrounding areas susceptible to fire or risk of fire shall be constructed or protected. So such other special precautions shall be taken to prevent danger. Um, that's 1325, 1327, type of wiring and method. The choice in type of wiring system shall include consideration for the following, and it gives a list of nature, structure, accessibility to persons and livestock, rats, other external influences, mechanical, electrical, thermal, um, 
What else have we got here? Do, 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 do. The electrical one three two eleven. The electrical installation should be arranged in a way that no mutual detrimental influence will occur between electrical installations and non-electrical installations. That's at least six regs in chapter thirteen straight away that that give us more clarity than forty two and all the rest. Forty one and forty two does. Um, combined with that document from the Thatch Centre, I would put that in place. I don't know what the industry bodies are because are telling their contractors because it says a regular electrical inspection will check your system integrity. Do we know of anything that the industry bodies um, for commercial profit enterprises have actually put out, John? No, I've not seen anything. Well, certainly not recently anyway. It's just it basically all comes back to this Dorset model thing as if it's some kind of wonder document that tells you everything you need to know. But I say unfortunately it only has literally a couple of lines in and then it's just guidance from various places like this uh, Thatcher document we've got here so I'll, I'll give you then a few more regs just that i've been looking at so 13312 where there are no applicable standards the item of equipment concerns shall be selected by special agreement between the person specifying and the installer now this is a really interesting debate because if the person specifying says i ain't having conduit stuck in stick it into an earth then what's the installer going to do walk away or take the work this is this is the inherent danger now i actually think that regulation 30 of the electricity at work regs applies here which is the exemption certificates this is where as a contractor i'd probably go and speak to the hsc and the hsc would probably get involved and i think the hsc probably need to do more work on this so i'm actually going to take an action away from this because in my electrical safety round table i'm going to ask a question about providing some guidance via them to electrical installers for thatch installations i may get shot down but i you've got to ask a question um and then if we carry on through chapter 13 uh new materials and innovate inventions the use of a new material leads to a departure from the regulations the resulting degree of safety shall not be less than that obtained with compliance <sighs> twin and earth that's not a new material or innovation but it is in a thatched house because they're not used to it they're used to enclosed metal on pyro um, good workmanship, proper materials should be used. Well, that would be breached if you're chucking twin and earthing. And also my one of the more pertinent, again, environmental based, 13415. Electrical equipment shall be installed in a manner where the design temperatures are not exceeded. Put stuff in a loft, it's going to get bloody hot. Yeah, that's a regulation a lot of inspectors need to review periodically. Well, we're going to do a webinar on this. Mm -hmm. against the electricity at work reg so we've kind of given you a sneaky preview um at some point this year so yeah, i've just done a quick googling i've not seen anything that directly attaches guidance from um any of the bodies from the perspective of thatch roots okay yeah, so i don't think there is any as i've not seen any um no it just comes back all comes back to this thing which okay uh, well yeah. i will i will i will throw myself under the bus and ask Napit at some point this working week to try and do something i'll try and do so myself but dear nic and napic could you please maybe provide some more concise guidance um oh, rather than so allowing contractors to throw twin and earth in everywhere well yeah something needs to join the dots to take um bs7671 and either make 7671 fuller to include the thatch roof for those extra engineering considerations I don't think 7671 will or it needs to exclude it then so they know they need to look elsewhere at that no, point. Dave, it doesn't have to because it's clear enough. The trouble is, is it's our 
understanding and interpretation of the document. The way that the, the reason I think the wiring rigs is not fit for purpose anymore is because the way we consider and analyze is different from when the wiring rigs was initially written, you know, many, many, many years ago. The, the skills and competency of the selectors and erectors is not the same as what it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Hence, the interpretation of more and more and more regs and more technology is being lost in these very poorly worded descriptors that we call regulations. Now, we've just gone through 20 <coughs> regulations from chapters 13 through the 41 and 42. There's enough right. in there for us to take an engineering view that we should segregate the fixed electrical installation, anything that produces heat away from a combustible material. Yeah. Simple, but no one's document really tells you that other than the um, the good guidance produced by the um, this thatched um, thatch advice center and the Dorset model, as Mr. Ward um, says. Yeah, and I think in terms of what you're going to install, I mean, AFDDs may have a good use case in a thatched cottage. Yeah, but that is not. You can't just say, oh, we're going to bung AFTDs in all this well, because this is the same as what happened with RCDs mm. when they were first introduced. There's some kind of sticking plaster solution. The problem with AFTDs is that they are a reactive solution. They're only going to work if some problem has already occurred, as in something's arcing and it, there's a problem there. If you put steel conduit in, that's sort of more of a proactive thing. You're putting stuff in place to prevent those things happening in the first place. So put the steel conduit in, put the pyro in if you want to, you want to put AFDDs in as well, why not? But don't go down the route of thinking, oh, it's an AFDD, we'll bung that in, all is fine, just sling the old twin and earth in as well, because it's sort of, you're only putting part of a solution in place there. And that's probably why this says to put in uh, steel conduit as the standard choice for a thatched cottage. Yep. Well, I've learned a little bit more today. I've understood a very specific topic a little bit more today so hopefully anybody watching or listening um, hopefully this has provided you a reasonable interpretation and in summary pyro still conduit with singles rcbo's or afdds do a proper job um, and any more advice go to the thatch advice center or look up the dorset model and we'll try and put links in the video down below obviously if you're listening to this just check it out the on the youtube channel and um yeah any other thoughts on this chaps no, I, I, I still think 7671 needs to say something to tell electricians not to because otherwise they're on autopilot. They'll just look at a, they may just look at a thatch property as either special or residential and they won't see in special. They'll just go to residential and they'll say, oh, it's all inclusive. That's a good yeah. point. Is it exempt from 7671? That list of exemptions? Yeah, that's not in does there. That, it's not in no. there, no? No, it's, it's within the scope. And I think I'll just put the other final point here is that don't assume that thatched cottages are old and they've been there for 300 years because new buildings with thatch on are still being constructed in 2021. And there's a development down the road from where I live. It's made by Bovis Homes. It's one of these sort of fill in developments. It's got like 30 houses on it, two of which brand new build thatched roof on each one. So they're not old necessarily. They can be brand new build. And, you know, if you're doing landlord work or if you're doing generally ICRs, you may one day just find yourself in a home with a thatched roof and you just may not know what extra info you need to consider. Yeah. You may also have to be the bearer of bad news as well, depending on what alterations and additions they've made over the years. I could tell you now the people who messaged 
uh, me on Instagram, they had to be the bearer of bad news on their EICRs. Um, but they were quite stunned as to lack of published memorandum, advice, guidance on the specialist installations. I'd love to see the Bovis designs for the thatching, their fire risk assessments, getting away with doing a thatch roof now. I, I'm sure these houses, John, will probably have some form of suppression in them now, surely, to comply well, with Part B. and Yeah, you'd think so and hope so, but who knows? No, well, there's, there's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so, yeah, two of them. It, I mean, it also true. says, you know, they'll have to have domestic mains powered alarms, so they're going to have to have those, which means they're going to have to have SPDs, you know? Yeah, so if you've got a new home and it doesn't have fire suppression, just um, drop us a line on social media. Uh, we don't do emails anymore. That's just um, too expensive and pointless, really. Um, yeah. Okay. No, that's some good. That's some good information there, chaps. I'm a, a little bit more uh, aware of that specialist information that we need to understand as installers, contractors, homeowners, and all the rest of it. Uh, John, do you have any final thoughts before we? Uh, no, I think that's we've pretty much covered everything uh, on that for the moment. So. No, that's great. Okay, chaps. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, cheers. And, uh, until the next one, um, take care of yourself and each other. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.